right, Brain. You don't like me, and I don't like you. Well, let's just do this, and I can get back to killing you with beer. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun. Well, and Jacks, time, time how Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down a buck and a half, NASA Futures up 32. Dow Futures down 67, so a slow mixed bag here this morning, at least so far. Though we do seem to creep up every single day, because that's what we. That's what we seem to want to do. Do we have the Professor Lou? You know, the interesting thing about that introduction is I don't even drink beer. Well, um, well, you know, it's uh, okay then. And yet, and yet I find it strangely amusing. <laughs> do you remember, uh, talk about classical marketing, do you remember all the Alka-Seltzer commercials back in the day? Which, which ones? Pop, pop, fizz, fizz? Or, well, they had that uh, one. The, they had what shape your stomach is in. Yep. And they had the, um, little, the little stomach sitting on the chair arguing with the guy. If you're going to eat pizza, you're going to eat this and that, and you're going to get this. Heartburn. And, uh, I, I, I remember that. I remember the Digel commercials, yeah. Well, Alka Seltzer won, like, the best commercials, uh, whatever awards those are, like, year after year. And then it uh, essentially didn't do them any good because it's not, a, it's not something you buy unless you're sick. So it, it increased brand awareness tremendously, but it's not like I saw a great commercial where I'm buy some milk salsa if, if I feel okay. Oh. So it's sort of classic so, with uh, when you see these Super Bowl commercials, which we'll be talking about, you know, pretty soon. But uh, some of them, the difference. I don't know. We get off on this tactic but, track, but there's a difference between you know PR and marketing. In marketing, you're you're, you're advertising to sell something. PR. You're just you're you're essentially putting a name out there, so just in case something ever happens, you're at the tip of somebody's tongue. Like you look at uh, GoDaddy, for instance, which for years had like the racy commercials, and there was always the one that was banned from the Super Bowl that you had to go online right. to watch. And they had the uh, they had the female race car driver Patrick. Oh yeah, well they but uh, they had advertising for him. But they also they had before that they had. I mean, they basically had the smoking hot ladies on there, and they well, that, well she yeah. she was one of them. Oh yeah, I mean, oh god, that yeah. Was the point of putting her in there, yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah. But I'm saying they, but the, and then then Pepsi would would run their stuff. But now Pepsi, if you if you read the studies, like the week or two or three after, Pepsi would see a bulge in their sales from the Super Bowl 
that would essentially put them positive for the game on, the, on a good year. So they actually would make their money back like pretty much instantly. Where GoDaddy, if anybody even knows what that is, you know, unless you're going to add a new email address to your sub, I mean, we use GoDaddy for, uh, well, for I think, Stacks and Jacks web hosting or something. We use it for something. And, uh, but, I mean, you're not going to form a new firm just to use it. So it's, 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 it's a totally different deal than Pepsi. No, it was, it was GoDaddy. Go GoDaddy, as I understood it, was out there to try to get people to switch to this cool, this cool website hosting service. Right, so but, I'm, but I'm saying say, it still hey, wasn't, we're, we're it wasn't like, God, I don't even know what this is. I'm going to go buy a Pepsi today. The regular person's not going to go buy a, a, a GoDaddy spot. I mean, it, 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 one is, one is kind of PR and one is marketing, because the other one is, if you ever got involved in a business, say, hey, by the way, who does our hosting? Why don't we use GoDaddy? I love their commercials. I mean, you, you could get there, but it, but I'm saying it's different. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I'm sure the... I'm sure that they assess that, and that makes that makes perfect sense. But the guy was kind of a big ego dude too. The guy won the place. He wanted to see his thing well, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and that's that's another. You know, the, there was an argument at one point that the Super Bowl commercials were the functional equivalent or the um, the digital equivalent of you know owning a corporate jet. You know, yeah. it, it it never that they frequently it was kind of cool if you if you wanted to tell people, hey, I got a corporate jet. But in terms of actual value, it didn't didn't make any sense. You were losing money from the get-go. Well, plus because people have Super Bowl parties and way more women watch well, who knows, I mean, the, the groups that I was with, the women all want to watch the commercials. I mean, not some of them want to watch the game, but basically a lot of them watch the commercials. So, to a certain extent, you would get a slightly different mix of commercials for Super Bowl than you did in a regular football game. I'm sure of that. That makes, that makes perfect sense. And you know, the what do you think would happen, Lou, if uh, we, our country, went back to not having commercials on for drugs? Would would everybody on TV and every football player and baseball player would, would all their salaries drop by half or what? You know, that, <laughs> I don't know, but what I've been seeing lately showing up, and I don't, I don't watch uh, broadcast TV anymore. The only thing I see are streaming, through streaming services. What's the difference? Um, they have commercials too. They do, it, but it's a different kind of feel. I, I get the distinct impression that the commercials that are being pitched to me on streaming are targeting me individually, and yet, uh, you know, I watch, I, I typically will watch uh, seven or eight NFL games in, in highlight form, you know, the, the highlights that the NFL... So you're, you're a Cliff Notes version yeah. of reading type yeah. of thing. I mean I mean I don't I don't have the patience or the time to really sit down and watch an entire game end to end unless I'm actually there. So anyway, I'll watch that and, and I, I swear, Chief, you know, I, I must see I must see three gambling commercials, oh, yeah. four gambling commercials per one of these excerpts. And yet I don't I don't gamble. I don't gamble at all. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't bet. I've never used an online service. I'm not. I'm not interested in it. I've I've walked through Vegas at the on the first couple of weekends of, of March Madness, watched the craziness because it's something to see. Oh, yeah. the, the betting the betting halls, but um, yeah, I, I like that. I don't, I don't mind making a bet there. I'm, I'm not an online but, guy, but well, if I'm in Vegas, I'm going to put a bet down. Well, it's just it's just one. It's just weird, and I, and so I'm I'm looking at this going. You guys are supposed you know there's so there's supposed to be some kind of artificial intelligence 
uh, bot out there that's that's listening and watching what I'm doing and automatically saying, okay, this guy watches these programs. Let's let's pitch let's pitch this to them uh, or to him and whatever whatever the, the algorithm is, it it's missing me on on the by flooding my my feed with with gambling ads. Um, that I mean, some of the stuff I understand. For example, if you watch a series like *Midsummer Murders*, which is a BBC production, or any of the any of the BBC kind of um, semi-humorous murder mysteries, uh, kind of a murder she wrote kind of thing, and there's a bunch of them, uh, or any of the the BBC uh, uh, you know sort of crime-solving light crime-solving dramas, you get just a a boatload of medicine advertisements that you just pharmaceutical advertisements because I assume uh, the vast number of people watching those shows are old and decrepit like me well but um, you're, but you're also if you, if you I read once that if you if somebody ever starts to read a book on diseases by the time they're done with the first chapter they think they have like ten of them well there's I mean there's something to that too but but I'm just saying in that case in that case I understand I understand the algorithm and what it's pitching and how it's looking at the at the show being watched and saying okay the ma- majority of people watching this are going to be are going to be you know also on their last legs you know or at least they're going to believe they're on their last legs and and so um we can we can pitch all this all this medicine at them that they can go bother their doctor about for you know skin or vision or teeth or you know fixing a broken leg or whatever um broken hip um so so anyway I, the algorithm seems to work just fine in that regard i i just don't with respect to the sports thing i get it i get that that a significant number of people watching those highlights are going to be over hormoned young people with poor impulse control but but uh that's not me and, and i'm well, sort of surprised you're, you're, to see it. It, it it's it's not a real <clears throat> Shocked anybody who's listened to Stocks and Jacks for the last decade that you're a little bit of an odd duck. No, I know that. <laughs> we, we all are. Or else we wouldn't be I'm doing quacking. it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go quack right after we right after we get off the air. But you uh, see, you see the uh, back. But, the back. But I'm, I'm just saying that supposedly there is there is an AI function out there that is automatically assessing my viewing habits and then plugging in spots. And there's a gazillion spots plugging in spots in the in the right places and it. It misses with regard to sports. Well, but Lou, you've got it, it. Doesn't necessarily. I mean, if you went in the Tripoli tap 15 years ago, okay, if you wandered in with me on a Sunday, Nick had the, the you know the, the big package before most people did, and there'd be all these TVs. I mean, you know, they're not big, huge ones, but so you'd see five guys sitting in the corner watching the Kansas City Seattle game. You know, it's a Boston bar, and of course, there's Bear fans in there. You said, "Who the hell's what?" Well, obviously, it dawned on you that those five guys got a bet on that game, right? So, so who who goes through wants to watch ten games, the highlights, rather than one game, watching Dub Bears or wherever the hell you're at, wherever town you're in? It's either somebody who's a fantasy guy or somebody who's betting on them, right? Ninety nine percent of the time, you're the one percent. Okay. Well, right. I mean, yeah, I think so. Okay, makes sense. I mean, if I, if I if I didn't if I didn't bet on or had to talk about it on Stacks and Jacks, I mean, if I didn't bet on the on, on the Raiders, you know, Seattle game, why would I watch it? Unless it's the only other thing on, because I do like watching sports. But I'm saying the the, the the dynamic is not 
it's not lost. I mean, why why do you suppose Viagra and um, you know and Cialis were like forty million bucks a year to CNBC and the and the NFL? And what's what's the age demographic that watches CNBC all day? That has their money in stocks and who watches the NFL? And as soon as that they went off patent, all of a sudden they lost you know forty fifty million a piece. I don't know if sure it was that much for CNBC, but it was probably twenty five. Yeah. So now all of a sudden uh, they just, replace it with uh, the skin disease or this disease or that disease and and how many people use the the pooping thing instead of going to, to, right. to get the, the whatever I, I just, you know it's I, I just I find it interesting that I'm getting uh, and and maybe maybe my assumptions about the the effectiveness of the of the AI is uh, is are not are not valid. I just thought these things were being tailored in a lot more individual. Well, they, they are. They're they're trying to get you to gamble because ninety nine percent of the people. Who watched the highlight shows is essentially, well, I think a lot of maybe a lot of uh, well, Greg, you're a a uh, fantasy football junkie. That doesn't mean you gamble, right? It means you're in fantasy football, but you're the same kind of you guy. Gamble who's gonna, on fantasy football, right? Fantasy ah. football, fantasy football is gambling. Well, it, it's not. It's not, not always. It's not. It's not betting on the on the score for the next quarter. That kind of thing. Uh, I, no, it's not. But it, but it's. I mean, there are there are a number of states that outlaw it. How do you outlaw fantasy football? How do we short those states? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, so we'll we'll gamble. We'll gamble on the states that are, yeah. that are prohibiting gambling. I love it. Just remember, your if you knew him, you'd, he'd be a buddy, a little uh, uh, kind of wacky uh, Beldo, my buddy from uh, well, he's a lot older than me, Notre Dame guy. And uh, he one day I said to him, you know, Beldo, there's a uh, I just found this out. I was doing Stacks and Jacks. I go, well, you know, there's only like four states in the country that that the uh, highest paid person in the state isn't the football or basketball coach. So he looks at me and says, yeah. Tom, he goes, Tommy, really, who the hell would want to live in one of those states? That's right. That's right. But it's, it's, it's all depends so on how you look at it. Right? What, what's, your, what's your point? Um, I, I, wanted, I sent you an email uh, yesterday. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it about, speaking of gambling, about the rise of something called a natural asset company. If you, this is right up your, right up your alley. Have you been following? I didn't this? get a chance to, to read all of it, but give us give us a Cliff Notes version. Okay, so this this will be a Cliff Notes version because I'm I'm sort of trying to work my head around how this would work in practice. But the SEC on January second is apparently poised to or poised to uh, enforce or, or enact a new rule that will allow so-called natural asset companies to to operate without, without, you know, the kind of SEC concern that you would normally see here. So, a natural asset company is a company that purchases um, land or water rights or a, like a mine, but then shuts it down with the idea that it will simply allow this um, property. Or, or whatever to go fallow and and will be allowed to in accounting terms apply for or claim an environmental value that is fixed by something through the United Nations United Nations the immediate the immediate reaction I mean I can't believe somebody at the SEC looked at this and just didn't burst out laughing when they saw oh the United Nations is going to fix a value here we're relying on the U.S. The United Nations got to be most, one of those corrupt organizations that walks. Well, and that I think that's why, you know, I think that's that's one of the reasons why this is a nightmare. But anyway, they will be allowed to, to 
set this value based on on these uh, factors, these UN uh, factors, among other among other ones, um, and then and then claim or uh, basically get paid for this environmental value. Um, it, it, it's going to be. What do you mean by get paid? They get to depreciate to the United Nations value, not what they paid for it. Something. I think it's something like this, but this is something I didn't I didn't really understand. Apparently, they will be able to um, sell this environmental value to other companies that are interested in pursuing and and uh, promoting their EF, for example, their ESG scores. That so, so this is like the Tesla getting money from every other firm for for credits. Well, Tesla will then Tesla will then um, will then. Be able to say, look, I'm offering you a chance to buy a part of a non. Let, let's say it's a let's say it's a, a copper mine. Okay, Tesla would be able to say, or yeah, you're the mine owner. The mine owner is a mine owner. You can go out to other companies and say, you can purchase an environmental value from me for not shutting down or for shutting down this mine, and and not not polluting whatever. You can purchase that from me. And and this will be uh, on our books as an environmental sale. Here's the value. Here's how much of it we can sell. Um, and uh, um, oh, by the way, uh, we're going to put some carbon credit. We're going to put some kind of a carbon credit accounting in place on this. And uh, and, and effectively, what I, what you end up with is is a mechanism by which certain entities will be able to. To, you know, basically eliminate production from, say, tens of thousands of acres of farmland, feedlots. Yeah, but since one is, is since one is farming, not pro environment, depending on what you're farming. Well, I'm just I'm just saying, if, you, if for example you you are oh, I, farming is considered to be intent, uh, very uh, environmentally damaging. Well, we can, of, if you uh, grow fertilizers. If you grow corn, yes, if you grow corn. Soybeans, no, they, they okay. uh, add to the soil. If you're if you're if you're using fertilizers, if you've got cows out there, you know, passing gas into the atmosphere. What about people? Um, people. Well, I mean, so so this appears to be. And again, I don't want to sound like a coop. All right, I sound like an odd duck, often enough, as you've noted. But I, I could not imagine. A more dangerous economic policy than to allow people to claim value for shutting down productive farmland, mines, whatever. So, so if you're, let's say you're a very wealthy um, company. What if the price if the price goes up of the farmland? Do I get to sell it at a higher price ten years from now and make money on this deal? And oh, by the way, it's back to being farmland. Well, but you're not going to do that. You know why? Because you believe you're one of the religious, you're, how is, you're you're part of this cult. How is this? You believe, uh, you're you're chief, the attorney. You how is, how that, is this not? You a... believe that people. You believe that people are bad. That we have too many people on the planet, and we're we've got too much growth, and we need to shut down growth and and get rid of people. And that that is fundamentally at the heart, as far as I can tell, of most of our green, uh, you know, our green. Well, there leadership. there are parts in the world that. Maybe could should stop having kids for a while. Uh, great, you know it's it's. I, I I challenge you. 
the same challenge I gave to uh, a family relative who's a crazy, wacko environmentalist, or at least I think she is, um, where I said, you know, that's wonderful. You think there are too many people. Are you going to decide which ones we need to get rid of? No, no, no. That's what I'm, what I'm saying. I, it, 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 it always stuns me that if you see these areas where people are, are like swelling up because they don't have enough to eat and they all got five kids. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I guess I don't, I don't get the motivation there, but... Well, but but this is uh, my point is that that this is focused and aimed at advanced industrial economies. It's not aimed. It's not aimed at China or India. Well, they're not. They're not going to allow. Well, let me ask you the, the lawyer question. How does? How is this the SEC's business? And it sounds to me like we're walking through all kinds of different tax laws and everything else here. How does the SEC oh, get to I, do that? I think. I think that's right. I think that's right. I, I'm. I mean. I think it's the SEC's business because these are going to be publicly traded. It's going to involve publicly traded companies. But, there, but the tax dodge has to come from a revenue bill, not from them. Uh, I, I agree. I think this is the the initial step. The SEC says, "Okay, you can you can do these investments, and and we'll bless this kind of accounting." And the IRS comes in. Trust me, this is not done in a vacuum. I assume these these federal agencies are all coordinating. Well, how can this. we? How can we? turn this bus around from what some of these people are doing now, certainly on our side, my side of the business and everything, without having to go back to Donald Trump. Is there any other solution here? Well, I, I, you're going to have to... I think I think the solution is you're going to need you're going to need a, an almost Zumwalt uh, who can step into the step into the top leadership roles and basically come down to the SEC chairman and say... That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. In I my think life. I think I think what you need to do is you're fired. Yeah, that's what I mean. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Where re- I'm, I'm revoking that regulation right now, and I want this done. I want I want a proposal on my on my desk tomorrow as to how to do it. And if the proposal doesn't get there, you're fired. Okay, and and I'm just going to start cleaning house. Uh, this is this is a measure of what you see within certain areas of academia where. Again, this is like a religion, Tom. This is not this is not a rational assessment. These folks are true believers. They have worked their way into a variety of, of positions within the government. And so you see these things, these kinds of operations becoming government. Well, you look at me, look at I have two friends that just one just got back from India. And, uh, and I you know. Do you think, let me just ask, I mean, uh, do you think Mr. Biden, is, assuming he gets reelected, is going to have the intellectual wherewithal to understand what's going on and try to force this force this out. Um, he's got to get people out of there to wouldn't force it in, but he, he seems to like those people, or somebody does. Uh, uh, well, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's aware enough of, of what is actually going on with this. I think somebody came to him and said, "This is a good idea, Mr. President, because you know it's going to help. It's going to help make more parks." And and I'm sure the president said something effective. Geez, everybody likes more parks. Who doesn't like parks? My dad used to take me to the park all the time in Scranton. Wow. He said, Joey, you know, one of these days we're going to need parks everywhere. I, I, well, I don't really have it. I don't have that big of an issue when the when somebody has a, has a piece of property that's kind of contiguous and nobody really wants it, and the Cook County Forest Preserve buys it and adds a little more. I don't. I don't think they're pulling it yeah, out of the. That that's not that's not the issue, and I'm I'm not. I'm not opposed to things like to operations like the Nature Conservancy, which buys property to basically turn it back to nature. I get it, but to authorize or set up an investment mechanism 
yeah, essentially provides. Oh, you know, you know my feelings on the magic voodoo valuation. Well, when I was anyway. in when I was in grad school, and this is where all this stuff starts. I mean, uh, the the idea of pollution was obviously front and center because pollution in Chicago was horrible. In a lot of cities, it was really wor- way worse than it is now. I'm not even close. Uh, there were people that said, and the theory of it is, it's sort of like zero-based budgeting. There's nothing wrong with the theory. It just never works. The theory of it was, okay, we're going to have to have some pollution. All right? But there's no doubt that if you if you make gold, or if you don't make gold, but if you mine gold, you get... So, so what we ought to do is we ought to at least make it so that the that the people who are polluting are creating the greatest value for a piece of dirt in the air, for lack of a better term. So, yeah. so what we should do is make these things, make the free market deal with it. Okay. So, in other words, if you're going to buy, you're going to pay two million dollars for the ability to pollute, you know, fifty tons of uh, crummy air, whatever you want to call it, particulate matter into the air. At least you're going to be making diamonds in that coal, or something. I mean, that's that's the theory of it. And you can walk through the theory, and there's there's really nothing wrong with the theory. It just never works. It never it never gets out of the. I mean, the idea that somehow or another the world is a better place because every time you bought a pickup for Ford, Elon Musk got a check. I I, I refuse to go down that road. I mean, I, I can't go there. The, the theory of it, I probably was sitting in a class with a guy who thought it up. Okay. But the theory of it has, you know, <clears throat> theoretically everybody should be nice too, right? I mean, uh, it, it just, it never, by the time you get through our, our crooked system, it never makes it there. I mean, uh, as to why, you know, literally billions of dollars were given to Tesla from the other automakers and everybody's cars now are up 40%. I, I, that, that whole thing to me, Lou, is, is insanity. But that, I, I, I agree. And, and and I mean, you can. There's all kinds of little ramifications coming yeah. out on, on on the whole EV market. I mean, one of them is there's no resale market for those cars. People oh. are not buying, at least not in mass, buying used EVs. Um, the the you know we really haven't come to grips with the whole battery disposition issue. Um, now there there's the, this is a but this is a classic example of again a religious cult and that's how i'm going to refer to the true the true eco warriors a religious cult getting a hold of significant aspects of the leadership elites in this country and and basically saying you know what the population will never vote for this because it sounds stupid to them the popular the average guy on the street would have the same reaction to this natural uh, uh asset company the same reaction to this this proposal that you and i just had which is why on earth would we give a valuation to not doing something with it if they want to let the land lie not to mention the united nations that's right or using a united nation following a united nations agenda why on earth would we do that that's the stupidest thing ever so the average the average joe in the streets never going to vote for this so we're going to have to force this on them because we know this is better for all of us. Well, if you, if you do and it especially properly, for us. If you do it properly, I don't think you have to force electric vehicles on people. I think most people no, like to see exactly. like to see uh, things cleaner. I sure as hell like the idea that I can breathe now better than I can when I was 25. When I was at Pullman, I used to get down to the Y and run outside in the, in the ozone alerts 
I'd walk, I'd walk back to the office. I think I just, I did myself more harm than good, breathing that stuff in Hammond, but, Indiana. But so no, I'm, I'm, but, I'm a real. But, but, so why, why if, not? If, if you, why, you know, see, if you and I see, were neighbors see. out in, you know, in the burbs here or someplace where you are in Colorado, the idea of having, uh, you know, a, a solar collector up there and having, and my third car being electric and that's the one I buzz around the neighborhood in. Why wouldn't I want to do that? Sure, that that makes that makes sense. But but the idea is that we would it would make economic sense for you as an individual to do that that's why you would do it you would say to yourself okay uh, maybe maybe the electric car is going to cost me uh, a little bit more than a similarly sized vehicle but you know I'm going to get some I'm going to get some internal satisfaction in knowing that I'm not adding to to particulate matter pollution or the, or the nitrous oxide uh, situation by by running my errands in this in this overpriced vehicle so there's a you know, there's a trade-off and there's a value there, but but that's not what this is about. No, and it, it it's never about this. This is about a religion that says we're going to make everybody else obey us. It it's much like it's much like it's very much like COVID. Happening. It's a, it's, a, it's well, a COVID. It's very much like COVID. It's very much like it's very much like the the whole uh, this whole trans the whole transgender issue, which is not we're not going we we don't ask for tolerance. What we're asking for is approval, and if you don't approve, we're going to make you approve. It almost feels like they're trying to convince themselves, not you. Well, I mean, whatever. But but the 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 essence of this is that this this stuff is percolating out now in a regulatory fashion that is effectively well, sure it is, going to make us all. Do you think anybody this. could? We got a dash to break here. But can anybody give us? Any, there's got to be somebody somewhere. Can anybody give us the? The, the 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 birth and feeding of the of the carbon credits for for Tesla and these people and who, who dreamed that up? Oh, I'm sure I'm sure Tesla did. <laughs> well, probably, but I'm then sure. but then you got have two people. One who's traveled extensively. Uh, he's been on the show generally, and a lady from the Tripoli's got back from India. She was there for a month. Talk about <clears throat> massive hordes of people. Talk about maybe you don't need so many people. And I'm not saying. I'd kill anybody. I would never do that, and I wouldn't really tell anybody not to have a kid. But but the by look at it and go, kind of seems like a lot of people are. They're talking about how many gazillion coal-fired plants, and we're selling them the coal. Yet here, if you have a coal-fired plant, you're you're you're, you're going to hell. I mean, what are we doing? We don't think it's the same earth, or what? Yeah, and 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 so anyway, the 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 point that I would make is this is something that I. I would think you guys might be interested in because this is well, an yeah. investment issue that's gonna that's gonna surface much like ESG, and and you know I, I remember the first time we talked about that you really hadn't heard very much about it and I was I was just pointing in the you know, in the direction of saying this these factors are, are becoming a score but they're they're all the, a, they're all the same they're they're a new mechanism to screw the old person uh, let's, let's talk about that when we get back because gambling in Illinois is run the same same route. SP futures up a buck and a half, NASDAQ futures up 47. We continue to leak up every day. Probably going to make old highs here. Uh, new highs, I'm sorry, not old, old. Surpass old highs and make new highs. How's that? We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Owl. Rick Pappas on the board. Uh, S&P futures are up a buck and a half. Nasdaq futures up 47 as we continue to drain up and uh, we took off a position with a nice winner on the upside here in NASDAQ I don't know, I suppose we should hang on to another day or two uh, at least another day or two, we're, we're creeping here, I've got uh, <coughs> Greg, when you get a chance after traffic weather sports, this is a, I'm looking at uh, the 9th of October, which is right about the time that the Fed, in my opinion, changed their direction, I've got the US dollar versus the Euro at 105 and now it's a uh, 111. That's a, that's pushing a 5% move in essentially 60 days. That is a massive move, isn't it, Craig? I mean, the amount well, of if money you look to at the volatilities. I well, mean, it's it's projected to go 7% in a year, so that's that's incredible if you're doing business overseas or whatever, 4 or 5% and 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 buckle up. Yeah, it's a uh, and we wonder why and everybody thinks that uh that, that by the way, you're a genius for owning stocks or something. All we're doing is, is pouring more money into the system yet again. I mean, it's it's crazy. Anyway, Dow futures are down 56 uh, over here in Asia. Over here in Asia. Over there in Asia. Uh, we got the Nikkei down 141.4%. Over to Hang Seng. Get a load of this. For the end of the year, um, up 418 points. Back over 17,000 to 17.043. We got China up 1.4%, up 40 points, but still under. 3,029.54. So Hang Seng is run back and forth between what? 16 something and 18. How many times this year, Greg? If you, if you caught that wave, you'd had a really interesting year. Uh, Aussie shares holding near two year highs. Uh, so, you know, a lot of stuff going on over there. We're in Europe, down a little bit. A DAX down 26.2%. FTSE down 8. Call that flat. CAC around down 27.4. So, 
And we're kind of running out of gas there, except we're, we're still up on our NASDAQ. Uh, yesterday, <clears throat> Dow was up 111, S&P up 6, NASDAQ up 24. So I say slow, very, very slow, but up. Bonds up two basis points, 3.81. The bond up two basis points, 1.92. Japan unchanged at 0.6. We've got oil uh, down 94 cents, 73.17. So creeping back here a little bit, as it looks like, some shippers are starting to go back through the Red Sea. Uh, Merck said yesterday they were going to start, as it looks like uh, the U.S. and the other people have gotten together with their uh, protection from the Hooties, Hootie Pirates. Uh, Brent down 91 cents, 78.74. Natural gas up 3 cents, 2.47. Our Bob down 2 cents, 2.13. We've got gold, which has been creeping up uh, or uncreeping today. Gold's down 8.50, Is it's, it's looking like it wants to get to 2100, but whenever it does, it's right, flying right back. We'll see if that does. Silver down 9 cents, 24.54. Staying in the mid 24s. Copper down 3 cents, 3.92. We've got Bitcoin down 5.43, 42,671. The uh, so it's, it was up to 44. Now it's coming back down a little bit again. The dollar is is really the uh, the number here today. It's but we got well. If I get this thing out of my way, I'll get this on. Dollar is uh, uh, again 111 is the euro, and the, the British pound's actually a down a little bit at 127.7. But still, it's been up as well. What do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports? Good morning, everyone. 6:39 here in Chicago. 37 degrees. 44 today. Uh, on and off drizzle here. 44 in Phoenix now, 67 partial sunshine there. Traffic inbound Kennedy from Montrose is 9 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 21 minutes. Ike from Wolf, 14 minutes. And the Ryan, 95th uh, to the interchange, 13 minutes. And Stevenson, 294 of the Ryan is 16 minutes. NBA, Suns beat the Rockets. That was 129-113. NHL, Hawks and Coyotes win. That was 2-1 uh, and 4-5. Coyotes win in, ad, or in overtime. Uh, and the bowl games, NCAA football. We had the DirecTV Holiday Bowl, USC over Louisville. Uh, the R. Allen Rhodes' Oklahoma State Cowboys beat Texas A&M. Who is R. Allen Rhodes? R. Allen Rhodes. He, might, he was a guest yesterday on the... Uh, oh, Russell Rhodes? Okay. Yeah, R. Allen Rhodes and T. Boone Pickett's Oklahoma State Cowboys beat the Texas A&M. Um, the Aggies in the tax... Act. Aggies need to pay a, pay a coach more money, I think. Uh, I mean, I think, what is it, $7 million for the new guy? Or? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Tax Act Texas Bowl, so that was uh, not great for A&M losing in their own bowl. Virginia Tech over Tulane in the GoBowling.com Military Bowl. And West Virginia beat North Carolina in the Duke's Mail Bowl. And that's all I got, Chief. There was a, the, what about the Pinstripe Bowl? Russell was going to go see that. That... Is, is that today? I'll check it out for you. Lou, uh, I think when you stop be- being an agent for players, you should have become an agent for coaches. <laughs> well, there's a there's a pretty good market. Uh, I mean, just from an employment lawyer perspective, there's a pretty good market in those in dealing with those uh, with those contracts, and and then dealing with the fallout from those contracts. E.g., Michigan State, number of other places where uh, you know the coaches do stupid things and and then you know somebody calls somebody like me and says let's let's try to figure out how to get this guy out of here or get us out of this contract or alternatively let's try to figure out how i can save this guy from uh from being terminated or at least being terminated with no with no compensation i was going to add that my my air force falcons after a miserable 
slump when they lost to Army, uh, and, and I'll it's for just dumb. Uh, lost four games in a row, but managed to win their last game, their bowl game, um, last week on Saturday, uh, defeating uh, James Madison, the Dukes, who were really? actually ranked. And uh, Air Force beat them. But in, in fairness to James Madison, their coach had just taken the job at Indiana, down your way, guys, and left the, left the team. So the team was being coached by a temporary coach, as soon as that guy left, a number of other players entered the portal, and they refused to play. So uh, it was a tough, uh, tough day for JMU. Their first bowl appearance. How much uh, are, are, are teams? Are teams having trouble even suiting up? I mean, they always have bodies, but even suiting up a team for somebody's bowls. Um, it, I, I mean, it, it started to look like this. If if you're a, either a really good coach at a at a smaller program, or you've got some really good players. Um, the economics are telling you don't uh, don't play. Um, if you've got a couple of guys that are that are bona fide, you know, top one or two uh, round NFL draft picks, uh, the economics will tell you don't 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 play because the risk of injury is is right there. This is this is something that, that the injury risk. I used to discount this a little bit because I, you know, I always thought, well, if you're a football player, injury happens on the field, but it can happen off the field, whatever. Um, here in Denver, they they sat down Russell Wilson, or at least the, the story is that they're going to sit Russell Wilson for the last two games of the regular season and play the backup. And you know why? I mean, Denver Denver's been Denver's been on and off abysmal, but but mostly abysmal ever since Russell William Russell Wilson arrived. And he's got like a two hundred and fifty million dollar contract. Um, of which the thirty five million for next year I believe is guaranteed. But but he's coming up on another big payout in the spring if he's on the roster. If he gets wrecked in these last two games and is unable to play you know, on the physically unable to perform list, he's still on the roster, and that that huge payout in March will be owed to him when the league year starts. Will be owed to him. So the club has said, you know what, Russ, we're not going to make the playoffs with you in there. We, you know, that got screwed up. You haven't played well, and um, you could be worth a lot of money, hurt, and in, at least to yourself. And and we're not interested in paying that to you. So we're just going to sit you. You're not going to play for these last two games because you could hurt yourself in the, on the field. And uh, you're done. Obviously, clearly sending a message that they're they're going to get rid of him, uh, or at least they want to get rid of him. Well, when, uh, they, when they picked him up, you and I had this discussion, and I said, gee, Lou, you're more of a Bronco fan than I am. That team looked like they were getting better. It sure didn't look to me like they were a quarterback away from the Super Bowl. And, oh, by the way, they gave a bunch to get him. And you said you're absolutely right. They, they weren't a quarterback away. The team was actually worse when he got there because they gave up some people. <clears throat> so what's, yeah. what's the shock here? Well, it, it's, what, what's amazing to me is, is just, again, the analysis of risk factor in, in the um, assessment of, of the club. So we were, we were just talking about it with regard to the college athletes. With the college athletes, 
they take themselves out of these bowl games if they look like legitimate NFL prospects. Well, this is and, the this and, is and the. And I would, frankly, chief, as an agent, I would have advised them to do that. This is the this is the the fallout. Well, uh, it would have happened maybe anyway, but the clear fallout of the kid from Notre Dame with the cheap shot in the Ohio State game, and he ended up being drafted by, where they totally tore up the kid's knee, and he went to Dallas. They didn't even play him for a year because they still thought yep. he was that good. Yep. And he ended up having pretty much a horse bleep career compared to what he could have, could have, should have had. And because he, he got a cheap shot in a bowl game with some bleep in Ohio State. And, you yeah, know. That, that's exactly that's exactly what it's like. Or the running back. Uh, yeah. Or, no, it was a nut for net. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, who, who blew his knee out in the bowl game. And, and you know, NIL, NIL is not going to make that, is not going to make that money up. And, and, I mean, maybe for a marginal player, guy who's maybe, you know, fifth, sixth round or uh, something like, or seventh round or something like that, and, and the, you know, the, the college club can, team can go to him and say, look, if you don't play in the bowl game, we're going to cut your NIL money. You know, that'll be the end of your NIL. And if the kid's looking at, you know, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars of, of See, NIL I don't think, money. I don't think, Lou, I mean, you're closer to this than me. But God, everywhere I go, that's all we talk about. Every place, because every, every place I land, there's a a, a so-called sports self-endowed sport, sports maven, right? Uh, I don't. As to who controls this, and who, and I don't think the the, the school has the ability to cut somebody's dough. I think the people who give them the dough do. I, I I absolutely will tell you that that whatever agreement. Those kids sign with respect to these NIL rights. It includes it includes a bowl appearance, and the kids got to appear in in a bowl if the if the football team goes. Um, and, and and so and so that they'll lose that money. All right. Um, if you're if you're a you know a low round potential low round NFL pick, that that has some real consequence, and and maybe you play. Because. Are you banned from going in the portal if you're? See, here's 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 what I'm, I'm, I'm not fumbling. I'm fumbling here for a lot of reasons. I just fumble, but I, I'm fumbling here, Luke, because I can. I'm now up to like four or five distinct different ways people are getting paid. So whenever somebody says nil money, even you, who I understand knows the complexity better than me, it has to do with which money are we talking about? Is it is is it uh, the money you got from Nike to send you to the Nike school, which is probably some big ass contract that somebody like you wrote up, or right. is it is it the fifty grand you get you get from the offensive line going to every Thursday night to Pete's Pizza Place or something? That's totally different. Is it something that uh, a, a, an alumni group has put together and you're going to a hospital and are trying to make it? Deductible. You're going to hospital one night a week and talking to old people for six hundred hours an hour, which I'm not saying is a bad thing or kids. Uh, to me, I, I can name like maybe I'm up to five different ways you're getting the money. Every one of them is different. Every one of them has a different boss. Every one of them probably is taxed differently, or not at all, which is even crazier. Am I right, or am I just am I too complex on this? Um, I think I think you're going a little a little complex on this. I mean, the, those kinds. Any anybody with a brain. In organizing this is gonna is gonna put all those functions under one entity. How, how you're not gonna be able to do that? How you do that? How, I, how does I, how does how does, how does uh, Under Armour give essentially cede the Irish control of the Under Armour contract for Hartman? Uh, 
Under Armour is not going to necessarily see that, but it would be the other way around. It would be the visit to the hospital that would go under the that would go under the aegis of the Under Armour. Well, that, that, no, no, that's that's a totally different. That, that's that's a group now, according to the New York Times article, I believe you sent me. Those are people that are that are like one of my buddies went to Michigan. They're always after him for money. Well, there's a dual thing there. There's an LLC, which is when you give money there, you can't deduct it for taxes. But if you give it to this other group. That may be a, uh, a uh, spinoff, not a spinoff, but a 501 something something of the LLC. So, in other words, Lou's son goes to Michigan. Now, some of this money is going to be from this group that may be taxable, but half of it, you're going to have to go talk to kids twice a week for two hours in the hospital, and you're going to get paid a thousand bucks per night for doing that. Now, they're saying that that stuff's tax deductible because that's a charitable deal. Well, here, here's what I here's what I would I say. I still think it's income to you. One of, those, one, of those, one of those is going to one of those is going to give you a lot of money. The other one's not going to give you not so much money. And and so when you don't show up for the bowl, your the contract that you've signed with either one or both of them or all of them is going to say you got to participate in the bowl games, and if you don't, you forfeit. And well, that's but you're already. But, but, the other side of the coin, Louis, is we're not talking about playoffs or stuff. I don't know if you heard the coach for uh, Northern Illinois last week. Um, I don't know how long, how long he's had the job. Seems like a decent, likable guy. Uh, but he basically flat out said, "This is this is my new team. I get to have two or three weeks." And he was, you know, he looked like he gave him fifteen Viagra's. I get to have like three or four more weeks in the weight room. I get to have three more. God, for God's sake, you've had the guy since June. What's you know? And, and this is my new team. This is like basically said. This is this is like my f- the first game of next year with my new team. He didn't give a crap whether the guys that are, are seniors are playing or not. Really, they're not gonna be there next year anyway. Um, I would say it's a short-sighted view. The goal is to win. You don't. Well, win, I mean, you don't get the alumni. I'm saying we're talking about a couple of six and six teams. Well, his team won. They played well. But I'm saying, no, who cares about the the Duke's Mail Bowl? Really, uh, I, I'm. I agree, but so so. In any event, the 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 point the point that I'm making is that, that for these for these kids at the at the top of the food chain, the NIL money, it, in some cases, will be a deterrent to them leaving. But in in cases of the guys that are looking at one, two, three round draft projections, it, it's not going to be enough, and the the risk of injury is going to be too great for them to uh, to participate. And, and mess up that NFL play, uh, payday. When is, when is the when is the, the college football contract going to change, Lou? To where if you leave after one year, goes. I mean, this this is going to. I know that. Let's put it this way: me, the chief, doesn't know when or where or how. But I can tell you from my economic knowledge, I can predict this is going to be different. You're not. You're not going. There aren't going to be schools that do all this recruiting. Bring these people in, play for two years, and as soon as they're any good, go somewhere else because people buy them. Somebody's going to get compensated there. The school uh, you- I, I, I agree that it's going that something's going to have to happen. I mean, the uh, the situation out here is is pretty funny. You had uh, the, the Colorado State coach, who I think is a pretty good football coach, um, basically come up and say, "We've got to increase." He basically said something to the effect of, "I am now a uh, in addition to being a coach." And uh, uh, an alumni fundraiser, I'm, I've got to go out and develop NIL business opportunities because we're losing people. And he just said my quarterback was offered six hundred thousand dollars to leave. Just a straight 
kid. We'll stroke a check to you for six hundred thousand bucks on NIL if you uh, if you come join our program. And, oh, do you have any idea where the said, money was coming from? It's got to be I, taxable. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the story was behind that. This is just what the coach said, and and his comment was, "I'm sorry, we we live and play in Fort Collins, and we draw on a state with whatever Colorado's got, ten million people. Um, we're not. We're, we're number. We're the number." three football program in the in the state in division one after after colorado and air force um and air force really doesn't count um we we are not we are not going to be able to compete with this kind of a with this kind well of a push. maybe maybe if, if this sorts itself out economically if it's allowed to if, if the lunatics the ncaa and the government and everybody else this is allowed to if he's compensated a quarter million dollars for the kid leaving and what he did, he recruited him, he trained him, he did everything, it's it could actually shake out if that's allowed to happen. If it's allowed to happen. So <clears throat> uh, I don't I don't know if I told you, but I did a lot of work uh, in one of my previous firms with uh, soccer and and with FIFA. Um, specifically, I was I was setting up a sports practice for uh, for a. a my firm at the time, which had hundreds of international lawyers and 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 people who were connected in Europe, in, in Zurich, and Geneva with uh, with FIFA and its organization. Is that a group I want to party with? Hundreds of international lawyers. Uh, you'd like to party with these guys, anyway. Um, the this is pretty much how FIFA works. If you're a Brazilian soccer club and you develop some phenom. 13 or 14 year old when that kid gets recruited and signs with uh, you know Juventus or uh, or Real Madrid or uh, you know one of the other one of the other uh, division one or, or top of the league teams in FIFA they go into that developmental program well the soccer club that developed this kid gets a cut of that con- kid's contract and then if he's dealt again to some other team, he that club, that Brazilian club gets another cut of of the contract. It's a it's a a, a, a trickle down, although it's in some cases a flood, but it's a trickle down type of economic structure that keeps these organizations going and and encourages them to develop talent so that that even when the talent leaves, these clubs don't lose, you know don't lose the kid they don't lose the value that they that they developed and created or at least they don't lose all of it and, well i don't and see why the, the kids the two freshman ends uh wide receivers uh that are leaving notre dame how they don't owe them half their tuition back for freshman year i have no idea it's we're, we're gonna end up with at least a one-year lag on whether the money's really yours or something little it's gonna be part uh, loan I, part I, something I think, I think that's i i mean and there's there's just so you know, this is one of the reasons why this international sports practice group was looking was looking pretty good. Um, do you there's constant, uh, litiga- there's constant litigation of it? Just a simple question. You probably don't. Maybe you do because you don't want all these answers. Uh, in Chicago, okay, so I'll sound authoritative. Uh, in, in Chicago, when you used to be here, you know there's a few of these teams around here that are they're baseball teams. They are too close to be part of the major league system, so they're pretty much on their own. There's one in Crestwood, right. there's one in uh, Gary, there's one in Schaumburg. Now they hold tryouts all the time, so 
So your your son goes to the Crestwood team. He tries out on a Tuesday, and they go, hey, this kid's pretty good. And all of a sudden, you play a few games, and maybe he's a pitcher, maybe he isn't. And all of a sudden, he makes a couple of great right, grabs in center field and gets a couple of hits, or he hits the wall. Looks like he got some power. On Tuesday, the Cubs won him. Yep. Now, I'm assuming that they have to somehow compensate the Crestwood guy. Do you have an idea of what that what, what that entails? Well, no, because these guys are outside the major league system. Right. So, so you're talking about literally buying them out of the contract that that they've got with this with this kid. But I mean, the and, contract I'm sure is designed. Hopefully, you do go to the major leagues because that's that's you know that's that's their push. They they develop kids from the area, and by the way, some of them are going to make it to the major leagues, and they're very proud on their website of telling you all the kids they have. So, but they must get right. something for doing that. I don't know if it's. Is it twenty grand? I, I is it a percentage I, I going forward? I don't know what I don't know what the arrangement is, but but the, at a minimum, it would obviously be buying the player out of the contract. But you've got you've got some other interesting questions that arise in, in that scenario, and one of them is what's the actual value of this kid after he's been developed by the club? It's obviously more than the contract, you know, fifty dollars a game or whatever yeah. whatever he's being paid on the contract. It's obviously more than that. How do you value that? And now we're back into the natural asset company zone. Maybe you go to the United Nations and oh, say, what the, what's the value of this baseball player? Well, I mean, it, there's got to be some number. I mean, it's... Well, it, uh, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me, Tom, because because if I'm, a, if I'm the Cubs or I'm the White Sox or whoever, I don't want this to be left to individual negotiations with a bunch of sleazy lawyers, you know, hanging around. What, what I want is some kind of certainty. So I go to these clubs beforehand and say, if you have a kid that we want to put into our farm system at the 1A level, the buyout is this. If it's a 2A level, the buyout is this. If it's AAA, the buyout is this. Okay. And and get you get an advance agreement with them because you want certainty in that situation. Okay, that makes sense because I actually saw a kid uh, pitch, and he wasn't you know 95 or anything, but he was... Touching ninety, and he he went seven innings. He looked like he had a pretty good curveball. Gave up like three hits, and so I go out Monday and I go, "Hey, watch this guy play at Crestwood." I couldn't find his name. He's already gone. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, next week we say we uh we, we try and do a, a defense year A in review and going forward as uh, to so what you think is going to happen next year. Mike's going to do some of that on Friday. So between you guys, we'll have as good a group uh, idea going forward as anybody. It looks like the shipping's reopening a little bit, eh? Uh, um, the Red Sea. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of curious as to what the heck we're doing out there, but but we've at least set up something of a little bit of an umbrella that's intercepting those missiles. Um, and we'll and now and now they've managed to get the Indians mad at them, so you know it it that's something. Well, we'll see. Pirates pirates tend to get people pissed off at them. Just saying. They do. They do. But but this is a this is a, a capability question. I don't know how we're shooting down these drones. I mean, we're using F-18s now, uh, Super Hornets. I don't know how we're shooting down these drones. But you know, we don't have enough missile stocks to deal with what these guys can throw at us. As if, as I said last week, we're using 1.2 million dollar missiles to shoot down. Why don't we? Uh, just out of curiosity, it's not designed for that, but. Why don't we? Why don't we throw a couple of warthogs up there and, and treat these little boats like they're tanks, and just and just shoot bullets, a Gatling gun kind of thing, a cannon? Oh, oh, that would that would be. There's there's an Iranian surveillance ship in the Red Sea right now that is apparently providing targeting information to um, to to the Houthis. And by the way, it's the Houthis, not the Houthis. 
the Houthis well, run difference. around with blowfish. Okay, it's the Houthis. Oh, good. Um, the the Houthis uh, providing targeting information to the Houthis. I mean, the normal move would be to take that ship down. Why wouldn't you? And uh, because because it'll it'll make the Iranians mad. And again, the cult members within the Biden administration, those people who have religious belief that Iran can be dealt with, do not want to make Iran mad. Um. That would not be my routine. I would, of course, like to I mean, listen to all the experts. Doing, we're but doing very limited strikes in response to, to attacks that actually almost kill our people in in Iraq and uh, right now. We're doing very limited stuff um, because we don't really want to make the Iranians. Hey, gotta, angry. We got we got to go to the end here, but I got to. Do Do you think it's possible? I mean, uh, I don't think these guys can necessarily talk together with each other very well. But you look at the well. Well, Ronald Reagan takes credit for it in his grave for essentially outspending the Russians to death. Uh, of course, now the Russians are back being Russians. But the, uh, do you think that these five basically no good Nick countries, North Korea, China, Iran, a couple others out there, China, uh, Russia, do you think they sort of all banded together, realizing our economic shape? Banded together is probably too strong. Said, look, let's just cost these guys money at, at, at eight different fronts and see how they do. They certainly, they're certainly talking about it. Seems yeah, to me like that's what's happening. Sure, it's a coordinated strategy. I, I, I don't. I mean, to to a certain extent, I, I think that's exactly right. And you know, China can say, listen, we can stretch them in the Pacific to Russia. So you guys, you guys now aren't facing Ukrainian Ukrainian artillery and storm shadow strikes with precision guided munitions because the Americans have to withhold some of that. To, Make sure they're not they're right. not uh, run out when we come at them, and the and the Iranians are going. We can make them exhaust their their missile stocks. We we make 100. We buy 125 SM. I think it's SM sixes. Those are the multi-purpose mess missiles. We they're buying 125 of those a year. We can run we can run them out of those in a year in in two months. All right, Lou. We got to dash. We got to get to Dan. Have a happy New Year, and I'll wish you that again next week. SP Futures up a buck, NASDAQ Futures yes, up 44. Do you guys have any snow? A lot. Good. Yeah, it's, it, was a, it was a white Christmas here. It'll be a white New Year's. Uh, is it a, was ski, ski places okay or not enough? Yeah, they're, 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 running, they're running full out right now. All right. Uh, real quick break, uh, Greg, and then we'll get to Dan. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! She's a good girl. Hello and welcome to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tim Al. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 25 cents. NSA Futures up 41. So we're going to try and make it yet another day here. Kind of, although we are, uh, in terms of uh, volume, in terms of any kind of uh, push here, it seems like it's really deadened out. But still, we're, we're not, there's not a seller anywhere. I mean, it doesn't appear. Although we had the group that came out last Wednesday very briefly and. <clears throat> We've made all that up, so I think we're still uh, doing a creep to the higher levels here, and uh, we'll see if, the, you know, it's all it's all fed in one man's opinion, and it turns out we have Dan uh, traveling, so Greg and I are going to go through some of these. I'm surprised, uh, Greg, I'm looking here at the U.S. Department of the Treasury, so we'll cover some of the stuff Dan normally covers. This is as of yesterday, uh, 12, 27, 23, if people remember what yesterday was. We've still got actually the highest... The highest rate here in the in the in the uh, treasuries is one month at five point five five, and if you go out to six months, you're down to uh, five point two six. But then the year, um, this is kind of shocking. The year drops down to four point seven nine. So <coughs> I'm going to say for the people here at PTI that we have had some money in the treasuries, we're probably going to stick with five or six months, maybe one more time. Greg, what do you think of that? Nothing wrong with uh, collecting, <laughs> collecting interest. I mean, that's the name of the game. It's the question of how much is really enough. Uh, will it outpace inflation? And are you happy with, you know, uh, missing the stock and and uh, other opportunities and just well, you don't want to miss the up days. You, you don't mind missing the down days. Right. So what's the uh, what's what's the plan? If it if the stock market really tanks, you know, at what which point would you be happy to shift money from bonds into? Uh, another thing that I don't know, some people have been doing at least is they're trading bonds more like stocks now because you know the the moves are bigger. So uh, I've seen people collecting or trying to collect premium in in bonds as like a, a income vehicle, similar to you would do is in stocks. So. A little bit more risky, but well, because you've had some. Uh, we, we throw up my the chart here of the TLT for those that don't know, and this is not a TLT recommendation, but a TLT is the used to be the what was it? Great was the the Lehman Brothers twenty year plus bond portfolio. Right now, it's 
since Lehman Brothers is no longer around. Uh, somebody else's, but it's basically the ETF. TLT for is iShares. Okay, now yeah. They're, yeah, now they're iShares. It used to be the, but they, but they basically are the ETF for. But if you look at TLT, I mean TLT from last year to this year is probably unchanged, mm. strangely enough, or at least in a full year. You know, it's it hasn't it hasn't moved much uh, since since call it the beginning of the year. It dropped a whole bunch, but since it's rallied. Twelve twenty seven so twenty two. It was. It's ninety nine fifty six, and it's, it's like a hundred something. So yeah, it's right about yeah, here. It's, it's very. Well, we got close. down to close to well, eighty. Yeah, we got down. Uh, we got down there. And then I'd say that was maybe two months ago. I'll and give then you the we, exact date if I can. And then we would, uh, then we just started rallying, you know, and as the ten sixteen eight eight eighty three twenty four. Yeah. So that's a that was the Fed announcement, right? And we've done we've gone because they basically said they don't care about inflation anymore. You did ask the question. I'm going to say at five point four two or five point two six, you're going to be slightly ahead of inflation going forward. Yeah. Slightly ahead for the first time in really a long time, right? So, so I mean, it's I so guess that's positive. Got, but I don't know if you've got additional money coming in from your job or dividends or something. You know, where's the best place to park it? Uh, you got to have some kind of mix, and choosing is five percent enough for however long. Is, well, compared to the last ten years, it sounds like heaven, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Now, will you get 5% in three days of a rally of the S&P? I don't know, but that's the game that, that uh, the, the, yeah, if, if you got money coming in, or even if you don't, you know, where, where's the best place to park? That's, that's the question with, with the rates being up here. Uh, it probably takes, I don't know, how long does it take for the market, has it take for the queues or spiders? To move five percent. What do you mean? They're up. God knows how much in, since October. Right. So if you were, if you were uh, parked in those treasuries or whatever, you would have completely missed on that. So that's just something that you know. What's good enough for your individual portfolio is really the question. But you can't. You know, at some point you can't. As uh, as you know, because you're. Uh, Greg's been doing a lot of work for us here um, lately and on the future side and helping us out. He's doing a website for himself. Um, you, you sort of you can't go there, Greg. Right now you don't have any, any clients. Um, hopefully that'll change. Uh, I mean, retail clients. Uh, but you can't, you can't say... I actually had a client once, nice guy, but somehow, you know, I don't know, I don't know where his mind was sometime. One day we had a nice year, and I don't know what we were, the market had been up and down, up and down. We were never down on for him. The market was up like eight percent, and we were up, you know, seven and a half. Even though our volatility was, just, you know, whatever year this was, our volatility was uh, well low. Since, yeah, I mean, so I mean, so in my, from what I essentially said we were going to try and do to him, I did exactly that, and the response was. Well, you know, if I just would have taken the money I gave you and bought two or three houses, it was one of those years the real estate went flying up. Um, I said, boy, you know, if you'd have looked at your account one day and saw like 48 cents left in it, and I went and had bought three houses for you, that's not exactly my job. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's... If I well, that's d- their job. They're, yeah, that's, 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 saying, that's your job. Yeah. But, but so, uh, so, I mean, whenever you, you, you can't, 
your your buddy Joe uh, Kernan one day. What's what's acceptable is the question. Well, so your buddy Joe Kernan one day said something about the reward side. The Fed the, side. the Fed is pushing people out on the real curve, and you got to go with it. And I'm thinking, Joe's a guy. I've actually, I hear he's a real good guy, and he's pretty. I think he's pretty bright. Uh, he's never done what I do for a living. You you can't take Greg Pappas's grandfather at age 85 and and, and say. Well, five percent's enough, but you know what? For you, in order for us to get some money, we got we got to go try and make ten percent in Nvidia. I can't I can't take your grandfather who's not working or anything else. I can't shove him down the risk curve. I mean, right? SPY has, however, what percent of Nvidia? So, but I'm saying you are has whatever. You're, but you're you're aged whatever. Your risk curve is different than his. You, just because the Fed. I met a lot of old people with significantly higher risk tolerance than me. Um, well, that's because they think it only goes up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they they trade a lot bigger size than I do, and I, I it's just yeah. Well, we you know, we know some people like that. Yeah, yes. that's that's whatever. But what I'm saying is, you can't your different risk tolerance because the Fed drops interest rates to zero doesn't mean I can take your grandfather and put him in, you know, the next dot bomb company. If he's got a big stomach, I'm sure well, they would love it. But that's, that would it, be... It all depends. It's up to him. I'm right. saying it's up to him. But somebody who's... If somebody has got 40 grand in an account and they're making 300 grand a year working someplace, and they say... Hopefully they're saving some. Yeah, hopefully they're saving. But if they say this 40 grand, you know, if you see something, you know, that's going to be a, a big winner someday, you know, put half of it in there. Well, that, that's a whole different thing than your grandfather. <laughs> and, you, you know... Well... That, in in my experience, old people have uh, have significantly more dividend and uh, other income, rents or whatever, coming in. Sometimes. And what happens is that money sometimes gets piled into some more speculative. So. Well, sometimes, but everybody, everybody's yeah. on, but then you run into the the stuff we whenever we do our continuing education, you run into the stuff of what happens if your grandpa loves to do that kind of stuff. And he's and he's and he's uh, you know winging options in Nvidia. Or God knows what he's doing all day long, and it's up to him. And all of a sudden, the daughter shows up and says, "I think Dad's losing it. I don't want him spending that kind of money." And by the way, it's, as soon as he croaks, that's going to be mine. That sounds this, like a lawyer problem. Oh well, yeah. This becomes real. I'm saying you you have to you have to be careful. You have to do stuff for your clients. You have to be in, in communication, right? And you know, and there's and there's kind of no getting around that. But hey, what uh, what predictions do you have? That we've got the futures has been. Nobody's been trading corn, soybeans. I mean, it's been really a kind of a uh, a dead year trading wise. It was a pretty good year for farmers and stuff, right? I mean, personally, the indexes to me look overpriced. So I would be or am um, selling call spreads and and those, and more specifically the Qs, which hasn't worked out. But you know, you collect a little bit, and then maybe it works out eventually. And then, commodity-wise, I'd say something like natural gas looks cheaper to me. So it's real cheap. Is that is that strictly? Are we going to lose a winner here with this El Nino? Those those are kind of trades that you want to be able to take losses over four to six months in order for it to play out. So uh, personally, when you look at those kind of trades, I I at least plan uh, months out to say, okay, well, if it doesn't work this month, you know, we've got this much budgeted for this and this this much budgeted for next month. And, and you go out kind of 
five to six months to let your thesis play out. So it's not just, well, it could be, you know, buying the, the front and selling the back. But normally, the to have those kind of trends play out takes four to six months. Well, what's so. the, uh, I know I'm asking without asking you to research it first, but every one of these things, it's like a, and to give an, to give an idea of how risky that those are compared to say something like stocks or bonds, the volatility in natural gas is is three times is quote you know it's three times of what Nasdaq is. So that means you should be expecting the price to move three times more in the over the course of the year. It it very well might lose 50 to 70 percent or gain 50 to 70 percent of its well it's not only it's not only the volatility in the natural gas it's the volatility in your account if you're trading it right uh it's a big contract right yeah but the sizing is is the important part so but now every one of these things that we we talk about take the loss and still be happy about it because you know you're you're going over the course of a year instead of just one month. But you also have to be very careful when you trade. Like short like the cues when <laughs> there's multiple ways to be short and when are you adding and when are you But people people sort of but regular ideally people if you're short the cues, you know, you want you want other positions to be gaining right uh, to make up for that. So if, if Well you're you're Mr. Hedge. Most people who Short the cues, think the market's going down. They're, 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 not, they're not going to try and find well, something else to balance it. Yeah, but they also have, you know, a million-dollar portfolio that might decrease. Well, so, yeah. So what happens is you want to be able to offset some of that loss via the gain you pick up. But then if you don't sell it out at the bottom... You're a, you're a crush trader. You've got a, a, a long and a short every time. The rest of the world got a hunch, bet a bunch. Got a hunch, bet a bunch... But everybody bets a bunch every day, considering if they're they've got a four hundred one k worth a million or and and, and, and it's uh, it's stone cold long. They're they're betting a bunch every right. day without even knowing it. So that's that's okay. Now what happens when the stocks go up for uh, a year in a row? You've made quote twenty percent, whatever it is. So what what's appropriate uh, to spend? You haven't realized it, but it really, it's paper. It's there. What do you mean, what's appropriate? It's going to go up next year, too. The Fed's never going to let us down. Right. So say say it gives you a dividend or you've got income coming in and, and you've made 20%. What portion of that income is is okay to maybe protect a certain part of that 20% gain? I'm, I'm, everybody knows I'm doing this tongue-in-cheek because I think everybody, especially the people in my clients, I think some some degree of protection, depending on your yeah, station some, in yeah. life. Some people's idea of protection is just keeping all that additional cash but they're in, in a separate account. Other people, you know, will buy options, and, and what's appropriate is independent. You know, that I'm going to, Greg, it has been in my lifetime in the market, but when I started, surely that was the way it was. Uh, but I can name a couple of times where there was a 10-year period and the market was down. There isn't. Out of all the people who have 401ks, that have markets, that have an account anywhere, PTI, Merrill Lynch, you name it, there isn't a soul who says that 10 years from now, the market could be unchanged, let alone down on a decade. Not a soul. Right. So the question becomes, what percentage of that uh, that gain and or your income coming in is going towards uh, 
in new investments. So some people keep it in cash, and that's their form of protection. Some people um, are buying 5% treasuries. That's their form of, of safety. Uh, other people buy Verizon, and that's 7% dividend, and they're happy in it. It's just a question of what makes you or what makes it easier to sleep at night in your situation. Well, right. When Verizon is, uh, let's see, where were we? We are personally. 2020, like, 2021, the stock was 60. Now it's 37. Hey, how about that dividend? Right. So personally, given the choice between Verizon or a five-year right now in I, I mean, I would go for the stock every time, but my time horizons might be different, or my risk tolerance might be different than whoever else, and they might see that bond going up more than Verizon stock, so maybe they buy it because they want the appreciation, maybe they buy it for the yield, I don't know, but well, let's, let's in look terms at, of sleeping at night... Well, let's look at, at Verizon, because things have changed. I keep tossing around these... these these uh, dates and the dates are all the same. They're ten nine or ten sixteen, whatever the Fed. Yeah. I mean, Verizon's gotten whacked, and okay, now, the majority now of it has come in the past year, which is specifically why I would look at it because you know it, it's the the stock is much cheaper now, and it's got a decent dividend if they can keep it. So time wise, for me, that makes a lot of sense. But all right, well, let me ask you a trading question here because you're. you're, you're you're, you're pontificating here on, on how many fat people can dance on, on the head of a pin. Uh, you were very clairvoyant when the Fed, you knew the Fed was saying something. Verizon got down to 3067 on 10.9. All right, so you sit there and go, hey, <laughs> these guys are paying God knows what at this number, a pretty high level. Doesn't look like they're going out of business. Doesn't look like they're a growth, growth hog of any sort. Man, oh man, this Fed is going to turn this bus around. I know this Powell is going to go back to inflation and pumping money in the system. These rates are going down, which, by the way, I, I knew that or thought I knew that. I just thought everybody else did too, but evidently maybe not. All right, so now here we are. Where are we? We're, we're 60, 75 days later, and the stock is 37.37. Yeah. So you're up 20 some percent. Yeah, big money. Now the dividend's not as much. I'm going to say if, if you put, you know, I'll throw some big numbers like that, like we're big swinging idiots. If we'd have bought 100,000 shares of Verizon down there, which is a big trade, by the way, I'm saying I'm selling 50 today. I mean, Maybe. It, it may go back to 60, but we just, so, caught, we just caught this thing in a, at the absolute right time. I don't like the, the, yeah. the uh, dividend as much at 37 as I did at 30. Uh, whatever, we're, we're, we're doing something. Right. And... How how you protect that gain, is is the, the big, big money question. So well, it's it's pretty tough to buy puts like, in a dividend stack, and uh, you don't really want to sell calls because they're so cheap that you know if it goes that you're not making anything. Well, if you sell the at the monies, that's uh, it's you know if you go, if you go through the math and the and the and the uh, ideally a short put should work out as you know, how's a short put going to work uh, out? You don't make I mean, any, you don't the, get the dividend. The, the, Calls and puts should be relatively equal if you work out the math. But yeah, there's but no uh, free lunch there. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, but th- it's the same question that people are looking at right now. If you've been investing in the queues most of the year, you're you're up twenty some percent. No, um, you're since October. The, the the queues started the year right about here. 
Maybe I'm looking at the spiders. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm still looking at Verizon. Oops, oops, oops. I'm still looking at Verizon. But yeah, you, you, you've been, you're in the same spot as you were at the beginning of the year. If you'd have bought the, the bottom, which is really hard to Well, a year ago, I think, I think we were paying close to 400 for spiders, and now it's 476 right. So that's a sizable gain. So it's on paper, so what do you do with it? Uh, that's the you got money nobody will in. sell nobody will sell right so the so the appropriate uh the appropriate safety or the appropriate maybe maybe you take some of that as realized but uh what's what are you doing with the new money is the real question so you could you could buy put protection at the end of next year if it doesn't go down why did i buy these puts we knew it was going up right but everybody you know the the question is how much is that's the question that the professional answer is better than the retail so Given a seventy dollar gain, what is appropriate? Yeah, but you don't you don't you don't get to make the how much decision in arrears. You don't you don't get to pick the deductible on your collision insurance on your car or truck after you haven't had an accident. You got to pick it before. That's the problem. Right. So if you have uh, a big gain in Verizon or a big gain in Spider, uh, that's that's the question. So personally. Uh, looking at where does new money go now, if you're selling, say, at the monies in Verizon or, or Spiders, where's the money going? Uh, I would rather do dividend stock than than uh, than the treasuries. That's just me because that's what helps me sleep at night. I don't know. Except it's a different. Well, if you do the if you do the math, and I'll dig up the Junes here in the uh, Verizon. Uh, the, the the dividend is going to be encapsulated in the in the, in the option price, right? I mean, there's no, no such thing as a free lunch here. So if, if you go look at this, the stock is trading 37.37, and I'm going to say the the 35 puts, or I'll use the 38 puts in June are 271. Because if nothing happens, the dividend is going to keep coming out of the stock, and the stock's going to be 35, right, or 36 right. or whatever. Right. So you're and not there's nothing to gain there. The the dividend is cash, so what you do with the dividend is, again, the important part. So assuming they, they don't drop it, which could always happen, but the, the cash is what you're kind of buying, and what you're buying is instead of realizing um, the, the gain, you could take that uh, cash as a form of safety rather than... Right, but the technical piece here, since we're talking about it, we got a little too technical maybe for everybody. But if if a stack, say Verizon, is trading forty bucks, okay, and the dividend's two dollars, well, you know, next week the stack is going to open up at thirty-eight. Well, you're buying cash hey, when you no, buy stop, Verizon. Stop, stop, just stop. You're, you're buying. You're going to get the dividend next week. The stack's going to open up at thirty-eight. You're making this way too complex. So the put. Since the stock we know is going to be thirty-eight next Tuesday, the put is going to be at least two bucks, right? Should be. So you so you're going to buy the put. It's going to tr- cost you two thirty or something, All right? So the stock opens at thirty-eight, and you're going to get a two-dollar check, All right? So the stock's down to the the you're going to get a two-dollar check in the mail, and the put's now trading twenty-five cents. So so it's it's not like there's a there's there's a there's a mystery here. I mean, the, the market knows this. Right, so if anything, you, you you end up having to sell the call side and say, well, okay, I'll, I'll sell the the forty calls for 
15 cents or 20 cents because they'll be real cheap and you run the risk of if you have a rally for a day you just sold something at 15 cents you're buying back for a buck and a half so there's there's no there's no there's no there's no gain here that's right in front of everybody's eyes right well if there's a if you if you've gone from 30 to 37 there's a paper gain and what have you done with the cash that's thrown off in the uh, all you've done is trade two bucks for in stock price for two bucks in the mail, right? Which is a, which is a, a change in their risk. So yeah, is cash? Uh, well, that's why people want to buy the stock back and blow the price higher. If you've got stock options, you don't want to pay dividends because the stock goes down. S&P futures up a buck and a half. Nasdaq is up forty nine. Greg, you're gonna pick the day we finally go down here, or maybe we'll never go down. We'll be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. Hopefully. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello and welcome to and Jacks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas or is under his new name Rembrandt. We used to say in the trading floor whenever you make a trade, and you end up making five other trades to try and uh, save it. You're, 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 they say you were painting a Rembrandt instead of just selling the first one out in the first place to say it was a bad trade. I love Greg because he always he always wants to make it very complicated, which is, which is a mark of a, a very good trader. It's also like, can't we just buy it at some point? <laughs> the uh, but we uh, he and I argue all the time, and it's a lot of fun, and it's uh, it's good for both sides. I think uh, over in Asia, we have the Nikkei down 141.4%. Hang Seng up 418, somehow creeping back over 17,000 with a 2.5% move. 17,047. Shanghai up 40, it's 1.4%, but still 2954. Uh, they're making a move toward the end of the year here. We're trying to anyway. DAX down 36.2%, FTSE down 17 cents. Let's call that one flat. Keck Ryan actually down 34, which is almost 0.5%, so that's a reasonable move. Yesterday, uh, Dow was up 111, SP up 6, NASDAQ up 24. Not much, but up. Uh, Ten-year down one basis point, 3.80. The Bund down two basis points, 1.92. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.59. We've got oil uh, down a buck 06, 73.05. Brent down 105, 78.60. Natural gas up five cents, 249. Uh, we've got gold uh, pausing here on its way to 2100, which some people think it is. Who knows? Down six bucks, 2.8, 2086. Silver down four cents, twenty-four fifty-nine. Copper down two cents, three ninety-three. We've got Bitcoin down five forty-six, forty-two thousand eight sixty-eight in dollar, which has been getting hammered, kind of pausing today. It's still down a little bit against the euro, which is over one eleven now. We haven't seen that in a while. 
and a British pound that's uh, actually up against the pound. Pound is uh, 127.7. Greg, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Good morning, everyone. 7:33 here in Chicago. 37 degrees right now. 43 today. Off and on drizzle. Phoenix is 44 now. 67 today with partial sunshine. Traffic inbound. Kennedy from Montrose, nine minutes. Edens from Lake Cook, 22 minutes. Eisenhower from Wolf, uh, 14 minutes. Dan Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 13 minutes. And I-294 to Ryan on the Stevenson is 16 minutes. NBA, Suns beat the Rockets. That was 129-113. NHL, Hawks and Coyotes win at 2-1 and 4-5 in overtime. Uh, NCAA football, USC over Louisville. Okie State over Texas A&M. And Virginia's uh, Virginia Tech over Tulane in the Go Bowling Military Bowl. <laughs> we should, what if we just go uh, bowl? What if Russell, we just go bowling? Are we contributing? R. R. Allen Rhodes, uh, Oklahoma State, or no, R. Allen Rhodes um, bowl game is he's uh, that's tonight the one he's going to. I looked that one up. New York uh, Yankee Stadium, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, and I think he's going to go to the uh, Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, which yeah. is Rutgers Miami. And that's at uh, 2.15 today, Eastern, at Yankee Stadium. The Irish are kind of a suck boulder playing middle of the day tomorrow, too. Not that anybody cares. Yeah, but it's not the bad boy mowers. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I got, Chief. Oh, God. Do, you have, do we have Mr. Oh, Flanagan? Oh, Jets, Jets at Browns tonight on Prime Video. I don't watch Prime Video, so I won't see him. <laughs> Just saying. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? Good morning. The uh, out, Greg. So, so, John, how do I get our man Greg to uh, get out of trader speak and talk more to a regular man? Being a Rembrandt. Group? Yeah, he'll be busy being a Rembrandt. Charlie Day. Uh, I, keep it up, Greg, because I'm, I'm learning all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep you, me on my toes. What you, what you, uh, when you talk about stocks, I mean, obviously every company is different, but stocks, there's, some, there's a generality to it. Uh, in, in trading them, we and talk about dollar bills. Yeah, but so dollar bills or stock is just a form of money, right? But whenever you talk about the future stuff that I that I talked to Greg about, you have to be mindful that every single one of these, it's like, you know, Greg, you're too young to ever watch the original Kung Fu episode when they were talking to the young Kwai Chang Kang, young grasshopper. He said, "Well, this is the praying mantis style. This is the tiger style. This is something else." And he goes, "How long does it?" take to learn one of these and he goes each style takes a lifetime where when you talk about commodities every one is so different like when you talk I mean, if we were to actually be and Greg's good enough to do this if we would actually be talking about natural gas before Greg came on the show he would work hours trying to figure out okay given the weather for those that don't know there's a what, what do they call it Greg is an accumulation and a and something else where all during the summer and so forth, when people don't use as much natural gas, well, now we do use it for air conditioning, uh, uh, power, and so forth. But basically, you're 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 gathering up natural gas and you're putting it in a lot of old salt caverns and all kinds of things. You're storing it for the winter. So there's a certain amount of how much is in there versus normal, how much you use in the summer if it's real hot summer. Is your is your your uh, appreciation modes slow, fast, and all of a sudden you get to the point where you're loaded up ready for a you know a big winter. Now all of a sudden we've had this El Nino winter and we're probably now Greg somewhere someplace there's people that have statistics basically out the ass of every place of storage 
the storage is probably way fuller come New Year's Day on Monday than it is in a normal year because it's been warmer. That's why your natural gas is lower. But there's a huge choreography of this stuff that doesn't affect corn, doesn't affect... They're totally separate, right? Or am I oh, wrong? Oh, yeah. They're completely separate in that... Um, Unlike stocks, you know, people are spending commodities every day. Yeah. So there's really the demand. I guess there's, I guess there's a solid demand for stocks, but the demand for commodities is a little bit different in that we actively, <laughs> we are actively using them and uh, and making them, uh, ch- turning them into other stuff in order to, you know, eat or yeah or be warm or make tires or whatever yeah, you're doing you're doing right. something with it yeah so those are the com- depleting a lot more than uh say stocks yeah i hope <laughs> stocks aren't depleting stocks at all you go out of business yeah and, and you know companies suck sometimes but it, commodities are actively like being disappeared so so it's a whole different i mean you really for you to right. for you to trade natural gas i mean you could have a hunch wow it looks kind of low but that's that's and like we 1% said, one percent of the ninety-nine percent of knowledge you need to be a good gas trader, right? Right. Like like we said, you can see it in the quotes and the options because the natural gas, are the the volatility is three times that of stocks, or the volatility is just so much more because specifically that reason. There's there's only so much we can take out and so much we can use, and, and, and if we got a huge cold snap, it'd, it'd probably be over three bucks in a second, right? Right. So, John, what do you make of all this? Well, I, I in law school, my favorite course, but, but usually what's considered the most esoteric course for a law student is something called future interests, which is the, you know, the, the device by which you convey property with the future in mind. So how you write a bequest in a will and the contingencies that can happen in a certain way and how ownership will pan out. and. You know, the, the depriving somebody of ownership if there's a, a you know covenant that's breached, um, appointing people in the future to succeed people who have died or incapable of doing what they're supposed to. But all this stuff that I I was absolutely fascinated by, and I think I got pretty good at it uh, by the end of the course. But I must say that it's not like trading, like you guys do, where you have to have an, an encyclopedic knowledge. I think of consumption patterns seasonal issues global geopolitical threats uh and all of this stuff is not boiled down or can't be boiled down to one single um, decision making moment where all of this falls into place and here's here are the options you have this is constantly shifting and it's it's always you know a question of emphasis in one area or another that's causing you to give more weight to some other aspect that the average person know zero about so i'm I, i'm just very respectful of the whole process i i couldn't do it i have no idea how yeah to do you it, can but you, i, I it, you're it, the, it makes me very very curious to know more everybody is trading their time every single day and that's not going to change so being able to do it at a macro level is just an extension of kind of realizing what's happening happening in the micro levels it's no different than deciding you know what am i going to do today or <laughs> am i going to switch jobs or what's what am i going to do with uh what am i going to do with you know the kids college money or s- stuff like that it's it's the same thing only 
extend it out to countries instead of and companies instead of just at the individual level. What I find the hard, hardest part, uh, Greg, and I'll admit that to you and everybody, is when when I was at the University of Chicago, they were in this. They were really big in that. I don't know if you if you've learned this when you were in school, Greg. They they were really big into the efficient markets hypothesis. And what that means is that uh, everybody who trades the market, everybody who's in the country, everybody who goes to the store, everybody goes to the can, everybody who eats, whatever everybody does, uh, everybody, when there's, when there's, if you have a perfect world of, of free flow of information, which of course we didn't then, and in my, in my, in my opinion, it's way worse now, um, how, how free is the flow? I mean, if you look at your option models, your, your definitions are, one of them is going to be there's a there's a, a continual flow of information. Well, okay, we know that's not true, because clearly the the, the uh, I mean I talk all the time about by, by uh, trading some of the earnings situations. Well, an earnings day is not a normal day, is it? I mean, there's a day where everybody knows there's going to be some huge announcement. There's not it's not the same as the day before. It's not the same as the day after, right? I mean, it's the the, the day if if you're hopefully you're married, your wife has a baby, it's not the same as the day before, it's not the same as the day after. There, there's very discreet things that happen. And I find it, I mean, in, in, in my day, in school, I mean, if the, if the chairman's in the can and you're, the stock's down, right? That's how bizarre they got about it, that everybody knew everything about everything. And, uh, and it turns out that that, I don't think, is necessarily true. You know, obviously information only comes out once in a while, but you don't get labor numbers every day. I mean, some people get them the day before, which is another problem, but the point is, I, I, I am absolutely stunned, Greg, and I'll admit it to you, I totally screwed up, and when I say screwed up, and not just being buying everything I could with my, my client's money, with this October antics of the Fed. They telegraphed it, in my mind, so damn much, the guy didn't say a word that I didn't expect. It's not what I wanted to hear at all, but it's exactly what I expected. And all we did was take off afterward. How did how did everybody else miss? Now, in, in, in my world, back in you know, University of Chicago days, that would never have happened. Everybody would have anticipated it. Everybody would have known what his notes were. Everybody would, somehow people would have found out. And as soon as he announced it, we we would have had a run up to the announcement, which we did, and that would have been it. Well, that implies people have less faith, or in that scenario, people would have less faith in that what you're talking about. Yeah, I think people have way less faith in it now. It's not, or the fact is, I mean, I I also think that with them pouring money into the system, no matter what you may think, I mean, the guy who helps me trade all day long, Larry, he's he's an efficient market trader kind of guy. He's convinced that we don't need to be long anymore. It's been going up 20 days in a row, and yet somehow or another, it went up. Ten years in a row was as they put eight percent money supply into the thing into a, into an economy that was growing too. This is a totally different world than what I grew up in, and it and it's it's difficult. I mean, John, am I making any sense here? I mean, it's just different. These guys are controlling it. They're, 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 some people are making money and some aren't. Not that everybody doesn't have a chance to be in the market. You have, and and a lot of people take advantage of housing prices. But this is just, I, I guess I could say wrong. It's very beneficial to some uh, groups of society and not others. And we and everybody seems very comfortable with it. Maybe not everybody. Well, uh, I'd like to know both of your perspectives on you know, an issue that, we, that gets talked a lot about on the show, and that's the quality of data 
you know, that comes out periodically, whether it's, you know, BLS or CPI, or, and how difficult that's made, you know, life for economists and, and, and people trying to, like, get a fix on what's really going on. What's the, what's the issue with data quality in trading? I mean, I don't think there's, is there any way in which earnings reports are not dependable or are, are suspect? It's people's reaction there- to it. It's people's... Uh- a lot of a lot of times now, it's, it's the move isn't on the earnings, right, Greg? It's on the the, the phone call afterward. There's, there's two sets of data we could be talking about. Yes. One is the accounting, the accounting, and the numbers related to their profits and losses, which is backward which is looking, super super yeah. massaged, and you know they always want to make it as within the law, make it look as good as possible. So that data is consistently biased. So EBITDA, you know when before you would get people who would laugh at that. Now that's a much more looked at uh, metric, I guess. And then the quality of the market data from, call it the exchanges, that's also suspect sometimes because there's a question of who gets to it first. So um, the law pretty much dictates eventually that stuff will have to be right. But who gets to it first and how that happens is, is um, is still, you know, questionable. Well, if you have a a quarter, for instance, and you know Flanagan Cleaners had a had a bang up quarter, and you're supposed to make fifty cents a share, and you made sixty. Okay, that's that's I'm going to say positive, right, Greg? And you're going to say your revenues were supposed to be five bucks a share, and guess what? They were five fifty. Well, that's positive. But now Mr. Flanagan comes out and says, well, you know, uh, the problem with that is is the first month of the quarter was really terrific. The second one about average, and this last month kind of sucked, and it looks like things are slowing down. Well, now those numbers become yeah, it you know, numbers in the rearview mirror, it. and now we're talking about going forward, right? It depends on if you're looking you know, at, at Twitter on what people are saying, whether it be company officials or, or uh, market participants. Or if you're looking at the numbers related to the, the prices and the accounting statements. So the the quality eventually is going to be about perfect, yeah, in my opinion. I agree. Now, when when you get to that quality, I don't I don't know. But the the numbers, there's more data and there's more uh, checks throughout the system than there's ever been. But, you know, what do you believe in and is it... Is it a number generated by accounting standards? Is it a number? Is it? I think Elon Musk once was saying, you know, secured funding secured at 420 or whatever is a joke. But uh, yeah, it's it, the quality of data is super high as long as you're looking at the actual pricing and the data coming from the exchanges and the accounting statements rather than. Kind of what's what else is floating around? You also have another variable in there, Jen, and that's the price. I mean, you look at the um, the Federal Express, which came out with earnings last week, and they disappointed on what the guys' uh, revenue revenue predictions going forward, right? Okay, well, the, the, the stock, and I'll, I'll look at it right now. I'll get it up on the chart. Again, this is not a plus or minus of Federal Express. Well, the stock, you know, had gone from 150 to 280 since late last year from the bottom to the top right so now if he says uh, revenue is not going to be as much as people thought and this thing drops 25 hours which it has uh, okay it, it, it you could say it was priced to perfection that 
we thought every, that every single cylinder is, is, is pumping away in here, and now you're telling me that maybe one of them was uh, a little weak. And now, if he would have said the same thing at the end of 2022, when the thing was trading 150, and said, boy, our revenue's down a little bit, only a little bit, we thought it was going to be more, that could be, we could, so there's, there's, there's enough variables here, right? right? There's what you say, how you say it, what people expect, what the price is at the time. I'm going to say when Verizon got down to 30, you could give any kind of bad crap you wanted out there, Greg, and it was probably not going to go much lower. Just just saying. Yet if it, when, is it, when it was at 60, it was obviously very vulnerable, right? So but there's, I think there's enough, you sorry you asked this question, Jen? No, I, I keep going because what you know, I'm, I'm thinking too. If you factor in things like what's trending on, you know, social media, which has proved been proven to be completely, you know, almost unreadable when it comes to manipulation or censorship or AI interference, um, does that complicate things so that um, data appears to be trending in ways that it's really not? Are, are people, you know, actually? Knowing what kind of reception this news is getting, um, are there more? Are there better ways of doing it than social media? Um, and what what kind of role do you think that's played in distorting the well? A, a lot of, of it, I think, John, this comes down to, and again, this is this is part of the, the all this stuff was. Lorian Hamilton wrote the original book, The Stock Market. Then there were people that had the the uh, random walk theory. Then it really wasn't a random walk; it was more of a sub market. Burton Melchior. Yeah, was, but then it yeah. became what a sub martingale, which was uh, there actually were trend random walk meant that from any any tick in the market, whether it was an uptick or downtick, well, I suppose I should define that. If IBM, I'll go back to the eighths and quarters; it's easier. If IBM's trading one one eighteen and an eighth, and the next tick is one eighteen and a quarter, that's an uptick. If it trades one eighteen, that's a downtick. Okay, so there was all kinds of research that was done that said, is there any can can you was there any momentum in the market, basically? And the random walk theory said no, that there was no, knowing what the last tick was, you could not predict what the next tick is going to be without any sort of certainty. Uh, years later, it didn't become random. It became something, I think it was a math term, was called a sub-Martingale, that it was, it was slightly better chance if there was an uptick, it would be followed by an uptick, but that you couldn't take advantage of it because of e- even if the smallest of commissions... All right, so now you can go with the idea of that there are no commissions, which is BS, because it just means they get paid on the other side. But anyway, but there's 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 all kinds of these theories, quote, on the market, and all have to do with information and with price. If you want to get really bored, John, go ahead and type I, in random walks or Brownian motion or Black Shoals yeah. into YouTube, or, <laughs> and that will tell you the theory, which is mostly math, and I don't know if it's... <laughs> I don't know if it's... Uh, uh, some people call masturbation. Yeah, well, um, but but your <laughs> yeah, but your uh, your Black Shoals, they made one incredible advance, okay, in the model, because we went through when I was in school, we went through these. There were all kinds of models beforehand, so you ask yourself, okay, because John, yeah, options are not new, even though they they started listed options in uh, 1973. The only difference there was that you had an uh, OCC, you had a clearing house there was some humility built into the models though which is nice and they say you know outside of that first standard deviation you know it's very <laughs> very right, risky right, 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 let, let, go. let me go let me go back that that whole part about standard deviation 
is been it was was a contrivance. Right, well, so that was their best guess. Okay. I mean, how can you predict the future? Uh, you can't. Okay, what I'm saying is, when you have an after, I believe there's five variables, right? Okay, so let's go back. Not even talk about stocks. We're talking about land because land is where most of the options were, right, Jen? Yeah. Uh, so okay, you got a piece of property. Well, I don't really want to buy it from you, but I'll tell you what, it looks like it's worth a million bucks today. I'll give you a hundred grand to be able to buy it for a million two anytime during the next 10 years, right? So you're paying 100 grand for an option, the strike price, there's now the strike price, the time to expiration is 10 years, duh. Strike price is a million, a million two, I'm sorry. Uh, the current price is a million, and, and you've got, and the interest rate we know of, maybe not, they don't know the 10 year rate, but the interest rate's 5%. Because, right, well, first off, by buying the option, I don't have to pay interest on the property. So that's incorporated into the option model, right? So you got interest in there. So you got all these, but then there's something else. What else? What's what's the? How do I know whether this option is worth 100 grand or 50 grand or 200 grand? Well, if I were to say, gee, there's a 10% chance of a, a, a an expressway with an exit right on your property, well, that's going to raise the price of that a little bit, don't you think, Denny Hastert? Uh, just a hair, Jan? I mean, so, so there's there's whole idea of. And there were there were all kinds of uh, models where people put together the summation of all the different prices they might be in the future. But anyway, the mathematically it came down to the single best estimation of a future price is today's price, right, Greg? Maybe higher because of the interest rate, because there's you know if there's any kind of a implied interest into it. By and large, so then somebody said, well, why don't we use this? standard deviation and call that the volatility because then at least we can define it and we can calculate it we could put it on a calculator if we had one back then it's easy enough to calculate but is it correct right it's, it's just yeah, a contrivance correct correct, correct. correct in regards to what percent of the time in its own well, definition yeah. so if you make a definition and you you say okay well this is what's going to happen 68 percent of the time and the rest of the time we have no idea i mean i don't think uh, it's it's impossible to predict the future. So any model trying to do that, you know, is going to be obviously but the wrong. Mo- but what are the weaknesses in using that for your model? There's two two glaring ones. Is if a if a of, of a stock trades at a, a well, 20 the weakness would be in the hubris to thinking the model no. would ever be able. Well, to that's right. The but future. people, so you got the, a best guess. The two things it tells you. It, tell, it tells you that if a stock is, is very volatile in the past, when we talk about volatility, we're talking day-to-day. When I talk interday, we're talking not in, talking intraday, we're talking interday. Okay, so, John, what it says to you is if, if uh, Flanagan Inc. is up a buck, down a buck, all over the place, and it, and it bumps around and it's, it's fairly volatile on a day-to-day basis, and so the volatility going back is 60. And then we've got, uh, you know, uh, Pappas Inc., Thing never moves. It sits there, up an eighth, down an eighth. It's it's like Roach Hotel, right? The model leads you to believe that there's a, a much bigger chance of a bigger move in your stock than in Greg's, and that's absolutely not true. So if somebody wants to take over a stock and, and price it thirty percent or fifty percent higher, they might just as easily do it with Greg's as they do it with yours. But it leads you to believe that. One is inherently more risky to a bigger move, not just the one deviation move, 
standard deviation move Greg's talking about, that it's more likely that the three standard deviation moves going to happen in a stock that has more one. That's not true. Is it, Greg? No, you can't predict the future. No. So, I mean, it, 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 the pricing, if you don't really know what you're doing in terms of what you are pricing, it could lure you into uh, something. But right. but it is what it is, and, it, and there's really nothing better, but you just have to understand. By the way, it's not a normal distribution. It's a log normal distribution, which nobody knows, right, Greg? Because it can't go below zero. No. Uh, no, in certain commodities you can go below zero in the way we the way we adapt. O- only if only if Petterfi has his model and starts selling oil that's below zero. Well no, the crush has gone bo- below zero. Crush before. has, yeah. Yeah. I mean So Johnny, are you real sorry we got two minutes left. We're gonna talk about next year next week. I'll have you on Tuesday morning again because Brennan is off. Uh, obviously no show on Monday. What do you this year confusing enough for you? You've you've helped out a lot oh. on the show. Thank you for that. Well, thank you for letting me be a guest and to emote. In public, <laughs> well, you, fun, right? you bring a lot of stuff to the table. What, uh, just as a quick prediction this week, so we don't have to talk about it. What do you think happens in all this downtown property? And, and does is the the building somewhat boom in the West Loop versus the crush here going to continue? I don't see that spread widening much more. Do you? No, I think I I believe that the expansion um, into the West Loop has peaked. Uh, and uh, that doesn't mean it's, there won't be any more building or, or you know, people moving there, businesses transferring their headquarters there. That will continue, I think. But it's it's slipping, I think, over the next ten years. And I, I really think it's it's something that I can't you know predict what the ultimate effect is going to be. But I think the the problems in the loop, you know, the area of the older office buildings that are in such distress. Um, is going to have a huge impact on lending throughout the real estate market in the next year or couple of years. And it's going to take a lot of banks with it. There'll be a lot of consolidation of banks. There'll be a lot of failures of banks. And I think it's well, going Jenna, to, but you, you, know, you, you and Nancy have been saying, though, that in this day and age, the, the banks don't necessarily hold those loans. The big one. I mean, well, they, I mean they, uh, they've got pieces. they got pieces of it. You don't have like a, a one naked lender who's got yeah. the whole you know, interest payment coming in every every period, but um, they are all sort of, you know, affected by the ability of these other people with, with ownership rights in the mortgages, and that's pension funds, it's insurance companies, it's governments across the world um, that will, I think, be contracting and pulling back, and the banks aren't going to be able to, I just don't see them able to survive in a lot of cases, with the exposure they'll have, these buildings will not be moving. They're going to be have to be sold at tremendous losses, and that's not just for the banks; it's for everybody else. But but you will see, I think, you know, probably municipal bankruptcies, government bankruptcies, defaults um, around the world, um, and not just from what's happening in places like downtown Chicago, but but China, I think, holds you know the linchpin to a lot of this and. Um, that may be the determining factor for what happens in a lot of places, and I, I think it, there's a lot of people on tenterhooks about where this is going in the next six months in China, because a lot is riding on it. So. Well, I was reading. Uh, actually, you were on the show, uh, Greg. We were talking. The three of us. The, I won't say the boat of us, the trees of us. We were talking about the, the lion's share of the, dollar-denominated uh, Chinese debt is in pension funds and insurance companies, right? 
Yep. In some some states too, I think some states, well, states pension funds. But um, I guess I, you don't really know until you know. But if the board of trade building, for instance, if the mortgage was held by Continental Bank, like it might have been forty years ago, uh, the Continental Bank goes under because of it, or it has a real time. Of it. Is that better or worse than five or six disparate people? You don't know who's in trouble. I guess if they all just if it's all just a little chunk and it's a half of one percent of uh, CalPERS and something else, we're probably better off to have it spread around. But do you really know? Yeah, there's there's a lot of, of you know, stuff behind the scenes, Tom, and no nobody really, I think, has a, a handle on the exposure of you know any group of banks or any group of insurance companies um, that are really exposed here and how low their the value of their assets has sunk. Um, and just you know, unrealized losses that are, you know, only when the thing goes into foreclosure, are you really going to have to worry about fixing a price on this thing? And that's going to wake up a lot of people pretty suddenly at how how much these things have slipped. Um, until that happens, people can kind of just you know, hold it in the background. It, it, you know, it isn't something that they can can say they've really lost money on yet. But I think that's going to be changing very quickly as as properties are in default. And the whole system is just going to go in the tank otherwise. And it, it may happen anyway. Maybe it's the kind of shakeout we've all been fearing and, and also expecting to some extent for quite a while because it's, it's been so out of balance. Um, well, I still think there's too that... many other factors with you know, COVID and everything else that, that nobody was really bargaining for that have ratcheted this up and it, I think happened made it happen on a much faster well, scale. I, I, I still think that at the end of the day, especially if we... You know, continue to worry more and more about pollution and things like that. I, at the end of the day, I think that the places that have the really serious public transportation to get people back and forth, even if it's only three days a week or four days a week or whatever it is, I think you have an advantage that the loop still has an advantage over, like the West Loop. And especially if you start talking, I mean, I, I mean, I, I could be really, really old on that, but I still. I mean, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, Boston, with their public transportation system, I still have a, I think they have a tremendous advantage over Atlanta, where everybody's got to get in the car and do something, or, or LA yeah, or something. And, and as long as those systems remain dependable and safe, or, or go back to that to those things as goals, um, I think those, those those cities do have a chance. Absolutely. Um, SP futures up down four, and if futures up twenty two. We've come back a little bit here. John, happy New Year! But we'll give everybody the official Happy New Year next Tuesday and Wednesday. So I'll talk to you. Happy New Year to you, Greg, and to you, Tom, and all your guests. Am I going to see you this weekend? Oh, I wish. Yep. Let's let's make a deal. Let's do it. Oh God, Greg. Greg, what's the over on? What's your over on on that as a gambling man? Uh, (laughs) two beers. Oh God. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Back tomorrow, stocks. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie. If you believe it. (laughs) Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? 
Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.